Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. You're listening to the Rebel Report Podcast, where it's all Ole Miss all the time. Here's your host, Michael Borky. Welcome in, everybody, to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you are with me. It is 7.30 on this Monday morning, so if uh, if something happens, which I expected to happen at some point today, maybe two things are going to happen at some point today, uh, we will talk about those the next time you hear from me. But this is... The news as of right now, again, 7.30 on this Monday, January 15th, this cold Monday, January 15th. You uh, you folks up in the upper half of the state uh, are having a really good snow day today. Those of us down here, it's just, uh, just cold. That's all it is. But I appreciate you nonetheless, however you're listening, wherever you are in Snowpocalypse 2024, I am just glad that you are with me. So we've got basketball to talk about, a couple football items, and the live chat to get to as well. So a longer edition of this very podcast. And by the way, if you haven't already, if you're listening on the website, pull out your phone, search Rebel Report and your favorite podcast app. Just wherever you get them, search Rebel Report, subscribe, and leave a rating and a review. Also follow me on social media at Michael Borky, B-O-R. K-E-Y, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, find me in all of those places. We'll start with basketball, and I know Vanderbilt is not exactly a, uh, a win that you're just going to celebrate, nor should you, and um, it's because they're so incredibly bad, but the weird thing about Vanderbilt is they're bad, but in the SEC, they played close games uh, until this point, and this one was not uh, exactly a blowout either. Vanderbilt kind of cut it down a little bit. Uh, a couple of times in the second half, but Ole Miss wins 69-56. Only won the second half by four points and only scored 28 points uh, in the second half. Ole Miss struggled shooting the ball offensively in the second half. They were 8 of 31 from the field, which is 26% in the second half, and 3 of 13 from 3, which is 23% uh, from three-point land. So not a particularly good shooting half in the second half for Ole Miss, but it really, frankly, it doesn't matter. This is one of those games where you just take care of business and move on. Uh, you know, you had a, a nice home crowd, but a little bit sleepy because it's Vanderbilt and it's at noon. You're going to have much more intense crowds moving forward. Not fan-blaming, by the way. Completely understand why that wasn't like some insane, raucous environment when it's a terrible Vanderbilt team at noon. But still, um, kind of a sleepy environment. Just a, a bad team who, I mean, could destroy a season if you lose to them. But the important thing is Ole Miss certainly did not. They just took care of business. Even when Vanderbilt a couple of times in the second half cut it down, Ole Miss just kept their distance from Vanderbilt. When Vanderbilt would go on a little bit of run, Ole Miss would respond. And so that that's the only real thing uh, to take away from this game is quite simply it was a net complete and total catastrophe. If you lose that game, they didn't. Vanderbilt's going to beat somebody this year. There is no doubt whatsoever that Vanderbilt is going to beat somebody this year and just be thankful that it wasn't you because their, R- their, their net, I should say, not their RPI, their net is, is horrible. It could really be the difference between making the tournament and not making the tournament, losing to Vanderbilt. Ole Miss did not do that. They just took care of business, which is the most important thing. They out-rebounded Vanderbilt. And I, I know Vanderbilt's not particularly good, but they out-rebounded Vanderbilt by nine. They had, uh, they being Ole Miss, had... Only eight turnovers to 18 assists, so yeah, they took care of the basketball pretty well despite not shooting it very well. Also had six blocks and six steals, so uh, a pretty complete day despite not shooting the ball particularly well uh, for Ole Miss in this win over Vanderbilt. Matt Morrell was really, really good, made six of his 12 threes, was nine of 17 uh, from the field, so he was three of five uh, outside of the three-point line, but he comfortably just shot the basketball in rhythm, uh, had a couple assists to no turnovers, had a couple of steals as well, so active defensively, had six rebounds to go with that. A complete game uh, from Matt Morrell. He was really, really good, just playing with so much more confidence uh, this year as opposed to last year. His ability 
is now you're seeing what a lot of people thought uh, that he could be right now, just how comfortable he's playing. Uh, Alan Flanagan was second on the team in points. He had 16. So Morrell, 24. Flanagan, 16, was 5 of 12 from the field, had eight assists, uh, a couple of blocks, and a steal as well to go with his five rebounds. Uh, I guess they're calling him Juju, Juju Murray. Uh, added 12 points, did not shoot the ball particularly well when it wasn't from the three-point line. So he made three of his six threes and missed every other shot from the field. He was three of 11, uh, but did have uh, a block, a couple of steals, three assists to go with his five rebounds. Musa Cisse had uh, nine points, made all three of his shots and three of his four free throws, also had six boards in his 19 minutes. Uh, for what it's worth, Jamarian Sharp had three blocks in his 17 minutes. He is on a tear Uh, at the moment. So again, you know, the assist to turnover ratio was good. They out-rebounded Vanderbilt. They didn't lose. And that is the only thing that really matters in this game. More important games ahead, uh, big opportunities ahead. And uh, the the bomb that Vanderbilt was uh, on your schedule, you survived it. And and that's the, the most important thing. Interesting road game at LSU on Wednesday night. Uh, winning on the road in the SEC is difficult. It's certainly a winnable game, though, no doubt. And then next Saturday, a free shot at Auburn. Auburn's really, really, really good. And so that, that's all that is. So two road games this week. Very interesting road games, though. Winnable one in Baton Rouge. Free shot in Auburn. Um, Ole Miss is ahead of schedule at the moment. If they can get one of these next two, Come home to play Arkansas. I mean, there, there's a real opportunity here for them to start stacking some wins. And uh, that uh, has to start on uh, on Wednesday night. So it's a nice win because of what they avoided. And I promise you, somebody in the SEC is not going to avoid what Ole Miss avoided on uh, on Saturday. So good win. The, the next home environment is going to be nuts. All the students are going to be back. And um, good times right now for uh, for Ole Miss basketball, where you just kind of sit back and enjoy your Saturday, where they beat a lesser opponent in conference play. It's kind of nice, right? At least uh, at least it should be. So uh, we'll talk about recruiting and then get to the live chat after I tell you the podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. Check them out online, absms.com. That's the website if your Mississippi business is in the market for office technology, anything technology in the office. And again, your business is in Mississippi. Check them out absms.com. Tell them I sent you. You'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So you tell them just what you need and what your budget is, and they will find a solution for you on me. That's Advantage Business Systems, absms.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Priority One Bank. Let them make you their priority. We've got 16 locations here in Mississippi, so there's likely going to be one in your backyard like there is in my backyard. They make you their priority with their online banking platform, It's a one-stop shop. You don't need multiple apps to do whatever you want to do with your money because Priority One Bank makes you their priority. So as of now, this is the football news. As I said before, you've got a Pete Golding Shark out this morning. I think there are two Pete Golding Sharks that are unaccounted for as of this moment. Uh, But until those become official, I'm not going to guess. I I know that uh, there was like one of those like Ole Miss fan accounts that broke the news on a certain player committing to Ole Miss. That has not gone official, and nobody has confirmed that. So for now, um, it's just not responsible to talk about until it happens, especially if that player is uh, visiting other schools. So if you're committed, if that's even true, that he quote-unquote silent committed, he's visiting other schools, he's not committed. So it's not worth talking about until it actually happens. But in the meantime, here is what we know football-wise this weekend, starting with a, a guy returning, John Saunders Jr., uh, the the versatile defensive back. He transferred from Miami of Ohio, if you remember, had a really, really good season this year for Ole Miss. Um, what well, was third on the team in tackles, had uh, a trio of interceptions, was really, really solid uh, for this Ole Miss team this year. So, yeah, 65 total tackles uh, for good measure, had two tackles for loss, had those three interceptions. What was good, what was frankly really good for this Ole Miss team and um, uh, could have left, could have gone to the NFL, uh, chose not to, and is returning. And that's just another veteran guy that that you know exactly what they're capable of. You know how good they can be. He's already been really good for Pete Golding and this defense. You know that you, you've got something really solid and stable at safety and a guy that's versatile. He can cover if he needs to. He did that at Miami of Ohio. Did that at Ole Miss as well. 
So just a, a big veteran returning to this defense uh, that is filled with veterans returning. And that, that just further affirms uh, what they're building towards in 2024. A ton of talent, a ton of experience. He's not going to get the fanfare of like a Walter Nolan or a Chris Paul Jr. who's transferring in. Understandably so, I, I get it. But don't forget about guys like John Saunders returning to your team because you can win a ton of games with guys like him and especially having them in your system for another year. Uh, I mean, you you could possibly even see a step forward from him. Don't forget, I mean, like I said, he transferred from Miami of Ohio, but there is a transition from playing at that level to playing in the SEC, and he acclimated really, really well. Now imagine another offseason in this system to learn and to, to even improve. So that's a big, big pickup. I say big pickup. It's not a pickup at all. It's a big announcement having him coming back uh, instead of going to the NFL. On the transfer portal front, a couple of pickups for Ole Miss so far. Again, I think that uh, more are coming. Again, Pete Golding has done a couple of unaccounted for shark tweets. So you know what those mean. I mean, he is batting a 1,000 when it comes to the, uh, the, the shark emoji tweets. But until those become official, this is what we know right now. Yam Banks, the safety from South Alabama, originally from Ridgeland. Uh, has committed to Ole Miss over the weekend. That That is a really, really big pickup. I, I, a lot of people that have seen him play or know him uh, talk really highly of him. And what's interesting about him is, again, he's from Ridgeland. And, you know, clearly neither, none of the in-state schools um, recruited him, right? He wouldn't have gone to South Alabama had Ole Miss or Mississippi State offered him. But instead of looking at that like they you know, did him wrong or, or dirty or whatever, he's choosing to come back to play for his in-state school is, is interesting. I, I don't know what that means. I just, I find that because you hear so often about guys like wanting to get revenge on, on the school that, that told them no or whatever, but not in this case. He's a Mississippi kid that, um, as a prospect, wasn't ready to play in the SEC, blossomed into an SEC player and uh, is coming back uh, to play for the the flagship school in his home state. So um, good pickup. When you lose McDonald to Tennessee, that, I mean, that was an important loss, right? Because an experienced SEC safety, but they lose him and they replace him with a guy that is rated higher as a prospect or as a portal prospect than the one that they lost. And uh, apparently it might even be coming at a discount compared uh, to the other. So that's the money ball stuff that people keep talking about is they replaced good with better when it came to who they were bringing in at the safety spot. So very important pickup, really experienced player, uh, has had seven interceptions in the last two years, six in 2022 before position change. Um, a good, really good player and a really good pickup for uh, for Ole Miss. And then on the offensive side of the ball, uh, they got a, another tight end, Daquan Wright from Georgia Tech. Caught 366 yards worth of passes last year on 13 yards per reception. Uh, he's 6'4", 234, at least that's what he's listed at. And I had somebody ask me last night, you know, why did they need a t- another tight end when they need offensive line help? They needed depth uh, at tight end. I mean, Caden Prescorn is really, really good, but they, they needed something behind him. They can also do some two tight end sets. Uh, I mean, I mean, football's a physical game. Sometimes guys get hurt. And last year, when Prescorn got hurt, they were, for lack of a better term, kind of screwed at the position. If Prescorn gets hurt this year, you've got an experienced guy that clearly can do it at the Power 5 level uh, coming in behind him. And so uh, this offense needs the tight end to be at maximum efficiency, and you need more than one tight end to to make that happen because the other two that you have behind Prescorn, one, God bless him, has not been able to stay healthy enough to see what you what you can actually get out of him, and the other has given you no meaningful snaps whatsoever. So this was a, a position that they needed to get uh, because this makes the offense go. And so yes, Prescorn and Wright now are, are two very experienced guys uh, at tight end, which is just so important. Uh, in this offense. So really, really good pickup there as well. So John Saunders returning, Yam Banks is in the boat, the safety from South Alabama, and Daquan Wright, the tight end from Virginia Tech, also in the boat. Again, there's a couple more uh, announcements that are coming, possibly even today. The next time you hear from me, 
we will talk about when those uh, when those happen. So, and now we'll go to the live chat. So, did it last night? Forget. There's going to be some repetition uh, in this because I do get asked about things that we just talked about. Uh, but I, I did think it was a good conversation. We talked Kalen DeBoer uh, being officially named as head coach at Alabama. We talked about the Cowboys being frauds. Uh, and more. So I thought this was a really good conversation. There is going to be uh, some some repetition uh, because I do get, and we talk about DeCamry and Richardson as well. Uh, didn't talk about that here, but you'll hear my thoughts on him uh, declaring for the NFL after all. Again, Kalen DeBoer and more. So here's that live chat. This is from Sunday night. Uh, appreciate all of you guys uh, tuning in and listening as you always do. And uh, we'll be back after those Pete Shark tweets come true. And then, of course, uh, Tuesday live chat, basketball Wednesday, Thursday live chat, busy week upcoming. Glad you guys are with me. But in the meantime, here's your Sunday live chat talking to Boer and more. Here that is now. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you guys on the next one. Let's get started. Uh, I'll start with the story of the weekend. Maybe not locally, because again, we had basketball and recruitings happening and uh, stuff like that. But the the higher in SEC, or, or the story in SEC country is uh, Kalen DeBoer being introduced as Nick Saban's replacement. And that's still kind of a surreal thing. You know, all joking aside about his grip on the SEC being let go, it's true. I mean, Nick Saban has, uh, I mean, he's he's been the patriarch of SEC football. He's been the dominating force. He has been the inevitability. He has been the, the king of college football for so long. And uh, he abruptly... Uh, ended that terror that he has put on on the rest of the SEC and filling those shoes is obviously massive. And Kalen DeBoer has has taken that on. I watched his introductory press conference. He's impressive. Basically, every coach is impressive in their introductory press conferences. But somebody forgot to tell him, by the way, that you uh, you never want to be the guy to follow the guy. And that's kind of where my, my thoughts are on this because I'm seeing – some pretty extreme reaction on both sides of what you think about Kalen DeBoer at Alabama and, and what kind of coach he's going to be and, and what Alabama's program is going to be like. And it, as I tell you guys all the time, in the business that I'm in, I'm supposed to pick one of those sides and tell you why the other side is wrong. But frankly, most things are really nuanced. And I know I use that word too much, but it's because they are. And, and I like um, being realistic you know, I, I like having, quote-unquote, smart, even though I, I wouldn't call myself particularly smart, uh, smart commentary. I, I don't want to be lowbrow, let's scream into a microphone and, and all that stuff. But um, I think that the truth, as with everything, there's two sides to every story and the truth being the third side. And a lot of the reaction to Kalen DeBoer, I, I've seen a lot of people say things like, well, he's just going to get run out of town in two years. And Alabama fans are going to be so mad when they have when they go eight and four and nine and three the next three next couple of seasons and um, I mean I just I, I so strongly disagree with that line of thinking I mean it is really it is Alabama's infrastructure as it currently sits an eight and four program without Nick Saban I mean really what, what he's leaving behind both with roster and yes I know some guys are hitting the portal. Not all 85 of them are hitting the portal. But you look at his staff hires, and they're excellent. Um, they, they are in a talent-rich state, in, in the talent-rich region of the country, with a fan base that deeply, deeply cares. And I know that they're going to have to raise more NIL money because they were getting hometown discounts, if you will, with Nick Saban. But they're still going to recruit well. The facilities are top-notch. The brand reputation is still what it is. The infrastructure that Nick Saban leads, leaves behind is still that of a program that can compete for championships. And so looking at what Kalen DeBoer has done, and yes, I know it was NAIA to Fresno State to Washington, and none of those are in the SEC. But he is a very quality football coach that runs an innovative and interesting offense. He's an engaging guy. He's going to recruit well. He recruited well at Washington, and that's not a particularly uh, easy place to recruit to because there's really not that much talent up there. Um, he is a, a willing participant in the transfer portal. He will be engaging. I mean, he, he checks all of the boxes of a guy that's going to win football games. If you're expecting Alabama to just fall off a cliff and go eight and four every year, I'm sorry. I think you have another thing coming. Kalen DeBoer is not that kind of coach. And that 
the infrastructure that has been built there is not that kind of program anymore. I know with NIL and Portal, the playing field is leveled to some degree, but listen to what Kalen DeBoer said, not only in his introductory press conference, but if you can find the audio, go listen to what he said to his team. A guy like him recognizes what kind of job Alabama really still is, even though Nick Saban was and is the greatest of all time. So if you're expecting them to just be a disaster, there's no evidence to suggest that other than wishful thinking. But on the flip side, I have said from the beginning, and I maintain that Kalen DeBoer is not Nick Saban, and he never will be Nick Saban. I think he will be very, very good. I think Alabama is going to continue to be a force in the SEC, but I don't think they're going to be a national championship contender on on an annual basis, especially in this era. So can Alabama fans handle that? And, and, uh, I mean, the answer is probably no, but what most people think of Alabama fans are the idiots that call in to find bomb. Uh, the people that matter, uh, university leadership and like big time donors, do they understand that Kalen DeBoer is not Nick Saban? If they do understand that, he can have a long and successful run that can end up winning championships. But if they're expecting a championship every other year, then they're they're in for um, disappointment because nobody, and that's a big word, but I don't think anybody can hold up to the standard that Nick Saban set. There's a reason he's the greatest coach of all time. So. The truth is somewhere in the middle. Alabama's not going to fall off a cliff, but they are not going to continue without missing the beat, missing a beat the way some people have suggested they won't uh, as well. The truth is somewhere in the middle. They will still be very, very good, very, very good as a football program, one of the best in the SEC. The infrastructure's in place to do that, and, and look at what Kalen DeBoer has done as a coach. Um, they will win right away. They won't Nick Saban win right away though so anyway truth again somewhere in the middle and then the other big story of the weekend uh, without mentioning anything local is the fraud boys now here's the thing so they haven't won an nfc championship since i was three years old okay they have not won a championship since i was younger than my son. So things have changed in that time span. Now, look, the narrative about Dak and big games, frankly, is th- there's merit to it. There's a reason that there's only two playoff wins in eight years. That There's a reason that he struggled. I mean, he has not shown up in the playoffs. It's true. It, it, it just is. He can change that narrative moving forward, but right now, It's hard to argue with that. The results speak for themselves. But since 1995, coaches have changed multiple times. Quarterbacks have changed multiple times. Personnel has changed multiple times. What is the one constant in Dallas since 1995? Well, what is the one thing that has been there the entire time they have been failing over and over and over again? Maybe, just maybe, there is a culture issue that is leading to lack of success. I don't know. Blaming all of this on Mike McCarthy or blaming all of this on Dak Prescott is just recency bias. This has been a Cowboys issue since I was three years old. Why is that? I'm not smart enough to answer that. But I do know what the numbers say that they are and what their record says that they are. The Cowboys are... a a perpetually underachieving franchise relative to the attention they get, relative to the prestige that they have. Coaches change, quarterbacks change, team changes, and the same thing happens over and over and over again. Why is that? There's one constant. Tell me what that constant is, and maybe, just maybe, that's the problem. Just uh, throwing that out there. So, uh, let's get to the chat because I know, uh, again, there's basketball, there's recruiting and stuff. So I know that there's uh, some things that I'm, I know there are things that you guys are going to want to talk about. So let's, uh, let's just do that. First one, Dak just seems to disappear in big games. And I mean, in his play early, Dallas was never coming back from that. Never. And so from the jump, I mean, they got beat in the first five minutes of the game. I mean, the game was over by halftime. There was no way they were coming back from that. Uh, I mean, just a 
just a colossal failure at all levels, a, a failure by McCarthy having his team ready, a, a failure by Dak. I mean, he was bad early, um, but also credit needs to be given to the Packers. I mean, Jordan Love is really good. They're playing really good football right now. But um, yet again, here we are talking about the Cowboys failing in the playoffs. Jim Cantori's on his way to Oxford. Stay inside. Rose or ice. This is serious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's and, you know, I, I think that that all of you guys are like this, but there was somebody um, in the neighborhood when we had that real bad February freeze that let, left the dog out um, because, as he said, well, it's an outside dog. He's always been outside and um, don't be that guy. If for whatever reason you have outside pets, make accommodations for them to be inside for the next few days. Uh, just because they have in the past survived stuff like this doesn't mean they should have to. So um, please, you know, for if for some reason you have an outside pet, don't be like the guy in my neighborhood. Bring your dogs in. Bring your, bring your cats in if you can. Um yeah, because this is going to get ugly. And don't don't travel unless you have to. Because, you know, it can only lead to bad things. Currently in a snowstorm, I'm jealous. I am very, very jealous of you. I saw a picture of downtown Memphis. looked really nice. And, and what I'm going to love, I love this stuff. I love college campuses in the snow. Love it. All of them. Um, any, like, stadium picture or, like, you know, the quad is what it's called at most places, right? Like you're going to get the snowy grove and, and stuff like that. It's going to look incredible. I, I love those pictures. And it's just a shame that I'll be stuck here with nothing. Um, but I can't wait uh, to see all those when we wake up tomorrow. The Cowboys were unprepared. Yeah, they were from the jump. I mean, just got beat immediately right away. Dak was playing as if he was in the egg bowl. You don't get to Cameron Richardson entering the draft. His name probably won't even get called. I disagree with you there. Uh, I think that if I understand uh, the reasoning correctly, he's gotten some really solid feedback from the NFL. Uh, he he will absolutely get drafted. Uh, I know that when he decided to transfer to Ole Miss, State fans were trying to, to say that some, some of them were trying to say that he wasn't any good and stuff like that. He's a very good football player. A very, very good football player. He will be on an NFL roster next year. He will get drafted. Um, apparently, he just got some really good feedback um, and and liked what he heard. And so if you're going to get positive feedback from the NFL, one more year in college may not make sense. And so I think that's uh, I think that's what happened there. It's part of Cowboys tradition to embarrass themselves in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, how can we call them America's team when they lose so much? So that's not America's team. They lose all the time. Who will be the Alabama defensive coordinator? That's a good question. I did see that um, DJ Durkin was expected to be the linebackers coach there. That was interesting. You grew up only knowing Nick Saban was king. Feels like a completely different era we're entering into. No doubt. And it does feel like, and again, it it feels like the SEC is going to be as open as it's ever been. Um, That's really exciting, uh, frankly. I I, I love parody. I think that uh, the the fourteen playoff era has been really bad for college football, which is weird to say because the growth and sustainability of that growth anyway ha- has been there. But uh, but I do think the the postseason and the way it's structured lended to a complete and total lack of parity. And now that you've had these things that everybody hates, oh, I hate the portal, I hate nil, and then you look at the balance of players and where they're going and and how much more spread out the talent is. I I am very looking forward to 2024, and honestly, it feels like X's and O's on-field coaching matters more than it's ever ever mattered because it's more transactional. And so instead of having a staff full of recruiters, maybe you should hire a staff full of X's and O's people, a staff full of of really good developers and, and player coaches, and as opposed to just well, let me hire a guy that is a good recruiter and he can just be the tight ends coach or whatever. Now, uh, I mean, that does still happen, and you still need people that can recruit really well, but it does feel like X's and O's matter more now than ever. And being able to sell playing time and and also finances matters more. And I I think it's a little easier to consume. 
And from that perspective, anyway, I know player movement's kind of nuts, but Rebs men's basketball is on fire right now. It is, it's incredible um, what, what they've done so early. And I saw what Jerry Stackhouse said. And for those of you uh, listening to the podcast, uh, I will talk about this before we play the live stream. So you're literally going to hear the same take again. But I, I saw Jerry Stackhouse's quote. And I mean, look, to, it's very stupid. He said, quote, best team money can buy. That's where they are, and that's how they approached it. They got it done. It's about adding experience. You go into the portal and add juniors and seniors. We don't add juniors and seniors at Vanderbilt. They just don't transfer to us. So, first of all, they, they did add uh, upperclassmen via transfer portal this year. But uh, that is, at least it, it, it sounds like, a shot at his own institution saying that, hey, they can do it in a way that I can't. That's what he's trying to say. At least that's what it what it sounds like. But using Ole Miss as your example of best roster money can buy, nobody's going to buy that because everybody with a functioning brain knows that Ole Miss basketball does not have the best roster that money can buy. Um, you know, they're they're trying to get in, uh, not trying. I mean, they're they're getting in the NIL game in basketball. You know, Musa Cisse and, and Brandon Murray and those guys didn't show up for free, right? I mean, Matt Morell didn't stay for free. Jamin Brakefield didn't stay for free. Like, of course, they're paying their players like everybody else, except for apparently Vanderbilt uh, is. But if you want to talk about the, the cost of rosters and you're using Ole Miss to get your point across, nobody's going to take you seriously, especially when you have Kentucky on the schedule. So I understand what he's trying to do. It is awfully goofy, though, knowing what we all know about how expensive Ole Miss's roster is compared to a lot of their peers in the SEC. And of course, from a national level, um, it's just kind of just kind of goofy, uh, frankly, on on his part. Really, really goofy on uh, on on his part. I understand what he's trying to do, but uh, not the best way to do it. But yeah, I mean, they played well, took care of business, uh, Vanderbilt. You know, cut the lead down a couple of times where it felt like the game could get squirrely, and then they just made plays, and uh, and that's all they had to do. You know, Vanderbilt was a, a can't lose game. Losing that game wouldn't have ended quote unquote their season, but it um, it would have certainly felt like it. And they just took care of business, played good basketball, and um, if they keep this up, then they're going to make the tournament. So it's impressive so far. Stumageddon 2024 got bread and milk from the grocery store today, so I'm ready. I'm ready, uh, even though we're not going to get anything. The situation DeBoer is entering is completely different than the ones Price, Shula, and Franchione were given. Saban has built them back into an elite top three program. Talent is already in place. Exactly. And they're not all leaving. Like, they're going to lose some guys, but they're not all leaving. Um, it, It's just it, – it's – that's why I never understood that you don't want to be the guy to follow the guy thing because I would much rather take over the roster that Alabama currently has than one that is worse and gets a guy fired. It just, it's never made sense. Kalen DeBoer's comments about that really lends you to understand that even though the playing field is a little bit leveled uh, because of things like that, Alabama is a coveted, coveted job uh, across the country for a, for a reason, you know, College football didn't have a playoff problem. They had a Nick Saban problem. We'll be interesting to see if that becomes a Kirby Smart problem. Not in the era of 12-team, though. I mean, they they still recruit really well, and they're still going to portal well, but look at how many guys they've lost. I mean, even Georgia's not going to be able to stack the depth, um, even in Saban's absence, like you would expect them to in years past. Saban just said he's not going anywhere. He will be directly involved regardless what coach will want that. No wonder if it was hard to land what they really wanted. Um, I do think, though, I I would like to see what that looks like before I think that um, he's truly actually like going to be looking over Kalen DeBoer's shoulder every day. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about him, you know, going into TV. Uh, I mean, you, you don't buy a $17 million oceanfront home in Jupiter, Florida to not live in it, you know? So I I would like to see what that that looks like in practice first, but um, certainly interesting to hear that multiple times. If he was, if he was there every single day, that would bother me. But if he's there just kind of like Steve Spurrier was at Florida, then it's going to be, it'll be fine. 
Alabama could lose half their roster. It's all a top 15 roster. Exactly. DeBoer is going to be tested early by Georgia. Yeah, let's look at that Alabama schedule. Because I have I, I don't have it memorized, of course, but let's see. So he'll open with Western Kentucky and USF. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about this game. So, again, they open with Western Kentucky and USF, and then they are in Camp Randall, which they'll be a lot more talented than Wisconsin, but they're in Camp Randall in week three. Ooh, buddy. And then they're off before Georgia. So it's Western Kentucky, USF at Wisconsin, off, Georgia at home, at Vanderbilt, South Carolina at home. So there you go. At Tennessee will be uh, certainly something. Missouri, who will be a top 10 team entering the season. They're at LSU and Oklahoma with Mercer sandwiched in between and Auburn. So they're road games this year. Welcome to the SEC, Kalen. Their road games are at Wisconsin, at Tennessee, at LSU, at Oklahoma, and you've got Georgia coming to your place. Whew. Buddy. See, the conference really did a really good job of balancing the schedules. When when they did the 2024 schedule, if you look across the league, every single team, Missouri got a got a good break. But you, when you look at the SEC, the schedules all seem to be pretty balanced and fair. I think they, when you look at them all, they did a really good job because everybody's got that kind of sensation when you look at their schedule. So, Ole Miss basketball starting to heat up. They finally have three to four consistent scores instead of relying on Flanagan like they had too early in the season. Yeah, Brakefield and Morrell have really settled in. Uh, Murray's been good, really good, uh, honestly. Um, I like what they're doing, bringing Sharp off the bench now. A lot of positives, a lot of positives there. As someone whose job depends on liquids in pipes, you're not excited about the weather. What job is that? Uh, if you don't feel like telling, you know, however many people watch and listen to this, I totally understandable. But uh, anyway, because uh, because if you were a plumber, right, you would kind of want, you know, low key kind of want pipes to burst some places so you can get jobs. Maybe not. You're probably a better man than me. But uh, yeah, not excited about this at all. It'll it'll be what? So here in here in Madison, where I sit, again, you guys in North Mississippi are going to deal with far worse. Um, I mean, Tuesday, we got a high of 28, low of 15, Wednesday, low of 14. So no precipitation, at least it doesn't look like it. But those of you up there, I mean, you guys are getting snow and and you've got a low of eight and a low of five coming. Holy crap. Um, I'm jealous, though, truly. I mean, if it's going to be this cold, it might as well snow. You think they'll pop an 11 and 1 in back to back years? Then we'll go 10 and 2 or 9 and 3 for a couple of years, and their crazy fans and admin will want them gone. Alabama going 9 and 3 makes them a playoff team in the 12 team playoff era. They'll be fine. Yeah, Yam Banks is a really good pickup for Ole Miss. So, again, for you podcast listeners, forgive the repetition, but I'll warn you ahead of time. Um, but yeah, Yam Banks, so they lose uh, McDonald uh, to Louisville, the, the Tennessee transfer. And they replace him with Banks, who is rated higher. So uh, that's a really solid pickup, especially with a Mississippi kid. You know, maybe there's uh, some emotional uh, aspect of it uh, as well. You know, him playing for the the school that, I I mean, you would assume overlooked him if he ended up at South Alabama. But uh, getting to come home and play and represent, you know, the University of Mississippi, being a Mississippi kid, um, might have some emotional connection with, with him and the team as well. But, yeah, they uh, they replaced what they lost with, at least according to the recruiting services, a higher-rated player. So uh, a very, very good pickup. Very good pickup there. Someone said, hey, let's not play defense in Rams-Lions. Yeah, 21-17 uh, right now. I, I will uh, have the second half on for sure when we when we're done here. Yes, Joe, you you nailed it. The one constant is Jerry Jones. I, I wonder if, if he's at fault there. The Dak better than Eli Manning talk just never works out, does it? Yeah, that was always – I mean, you, you got to let these guys actually win first before you start comparing them, you know. Um, I mean, like, like got a Pelican shirt on. You, you know, Hawkins, our, our rookie, is playing really well, and, and I, I've seen people compare him to players, and it's – 
I mean, he, he doesn't even play every night. He's a, he's a rookie. You, you've really got to not put expectations like this on people, even if they look promising. I, I, I think that um, it's really just a dirt disservice to these guys. I mean, we, we did it with Shea Patterson transferring to Michigan, and they called it championship or bust. Like, that was never fair at all to Shea Patterson because he never showed you the ability to be that guy. And so – yeah, those comparisons, until they win something, it's not fair to the people that you're comparing. Dallas should get Trey Lance. I am curious to see what their new coach, because they're going to get a new coach, thinks about Dak Prescott. So I, I, I liked the, the images. I just I don't know about Minecraft really at all. So the the fact that that guy said it took him five years to make stadium models in Starkville or, or like of the hump and um, Davis Wade. I mean, they look great. Five years to do that. Is that really how long Minecraft takes to do? It's crazy. I've just, I've never played. I have no idea. I don't know anything about Minecraft really. I know it's super popular though. So I'm not knocking it. I just don't know anything about it. Dolphins offense looks like it's coached by Phil Longo, tears it up versus terrible defense, and and is non-existent against the good ones. Yeah, that was kind of telling. I mean, I I know the weather sucks, but Kansas City managed it just fine. I mean, that's going to raise some questions about McDaniel and and also Tua. You you know, Brian Brown's back in the SIP. That's a really nice hire for Ole Miss. Really, really, really nice hire. Refs are going to want to bump and pay with uh, Saban gone. Oh, no, don't worry. They'll, they'll, they'll keep that pipeline coming. Oh, man. No, I'm kidding. Oh, of course. Ole Miss is in prime position to take over the SEC NIL structure. Might be the best in the SEC, and Kiffin knows it. The Ole Miss fans that are scared of him leaving, but Ole Miss is preparing to be a power. So uh, it it depends on what your definition of best is. They are certainly not the richest. So, um, and I don't know if that's what you're talking about or not. Uh, Ole Miss is not the richest collective in in alumni base in the SEC. Uh, They're not. And and never is a big word, but they never will be. But what you have working for you is is the organization. The, The vision from the people at the collective is really, really good. And and the fan base is totally bought into the concept of NIL. And that is not the case everywhere. You have reluctance. I mean, you're seeing it with Alabama people. There, there's some kind of reluctance there uh, from them. So, so that is what Ole Miss has going for it, is a full fan base buy-in of this is what it takes to win, go do it. And you don't have that everywhere. But they still, they're, they're not the richest. They're not the, the most well-funded. But... Those two things help it a ton. Help, it, I mean, are really leveling the playing field a ton. Yeah, I still think the SEC office should move to Nashville, but that's just me. That was Jerry Stackhouse's last game against Ole Miss. Absolutely, but I mean, here's the thing, though. And I know they're they're starting to invest in football, NIL wise, or at least that's what people are saying. And, and I know they're doing a facilities project and stuff, but. Vandy's got to change their ways if they don't want to just keep cycling coaches in and out. And I know Stackhouse is is underachieving relative to recent Vanderbilt basketball. I I understand that. Like, he has to go. But, um, you know, people are talking about Clark Lee being on a hot seat. It's like, until you change yourself, changing coaches is not going to do anything for you. So, no, I did not know that Vanderbilt had an actor on their basketball team. That was kind of funny. Washington has a 6'8 quarterback in the portal, wondering if he goes to Alabama. I, w- I would be surprised, and now that I said this, I'm, it's going to be dead wrong, but I would be surprised if it's anybody but Milrow. But who knows? Any Alabama players that could appear on the Ole Miss roster in the near future? Uh, a couple of linebackers, possibly. Yeah, that defensive back from Washington will have a lot of suitors, no doubt. Yes, yes, we did, Neil. Um, uh, yes, we did. Uh, talked about DeCamry and Richardson. Uh, I've, if I understand it correctly, uh, it's he, he got really good feedback. 
and, and so chose to go to the NFL because of that. Looks like Judkins is playing second fiddle to Henderson at Ohio State, really looking smart on the part of the Judkins family. You know, and, and I've seen people spin that as, oh, well, he was totally fine. Like like they knew that that Henderson was there, and he's totally fine not getting as many carries, and he doesn't want to have more tread on the tires. And, I mean, what an incredible spin zone that is. Oh, it's good that the player that we just got doesn't want to play much. Do you, I mean, and that's all Ohio State people, I get it. But, like, do you hear yourself when you say that? Oh, it's good that the player we got doesn't want to play much. Like, he's totally fine not playing a lot. Okay, uh, sure. And th- that, that'll that definitely work itself out as the season goes on for, uh, for sure. Um, no, H- Henderson coming back and him going to Ohio State and how all of that played out, including the timing, tells you that what people reported about the situation was accurate. Um, and, you know, you can question their reporting if you want and, and all of that. But when you think of the timing and, and all of – you don't even have to have inside information. If you think of the timing of it all and what you could see and what ended up happening, it was pretty clear. If you're thinking about it clearly, it is clear what happened there. So – I don't know if he took a pay cut. I would bet my car on a significant one. Cowboys have a playoff curse, no doubt. I wouldn't call it a curse. I would call it incompetence, but I'm uh, I'm with you. Diggs is very comparable to Judkins if he's healthy. They don't miss a beat. Certainly comparable. I think they're going to add one more, though. I, I still think they're not done adding running backs, nor should they be, because you just don't know um, post-injury what he'll be like. question is isn't the talent it's the close games and how they end how many close games did they win with the goat head coach you just think they'll drop off oh they'll drop a couple of those oh i'm sure absolutely but how many close games did DeBoer coach over the last couple of years what is he three and oh against landing uh he he beat lincoln riley in the only game they played he beat kyle whittingham in the only game they played um he's two and oh against sark i, I mean Chemical engineer. Oh, I hear you. Okay. No, not snow here. All ice. That's unfortunate. At least you can sled on that, though. Judkins being a change of pace back for Ohio State, reduced income, third round pick, who's an NFL backup and not really fast enough to be a starter, might be his most probable outcome now. Sad. It is an unfortunate story. At least Dallas is consistent. Hey, that's true. You know exactly what you're going to get. Every time State gets the fans to show up in Starkville for basketball, they lose. I I saw that, and I saw a lot of fans say that. But you can't do the every time we get excited, they lose thing when three days prior they beat a top five Tennessee team on that very court. You know? If they had lost to Tennessee and then that happened where they missed free throws down the stretch and just kind of blow it, then, then I then I understand that. But I saw a lot of state fans say that. And, and trust me, I understand where you're coming from because that has happened a lot in recent Mississippi State basketball history. That's happened a lot where the fans finally get this big environment and then they come up short. That, has, that happened so often under Ben Hallen. But th- they beat a top five Tennessee team – Wednesday night, you know, I mean, they just beat Tennessee on Wednesday night, top five team. I mean, first time in decades that they've beaten a top five team. So I know the crowd was bigger Saturday and there was a lot of hype around that game, but they they just beat Tennessee, you know, and their net is still really, really good. Like this is still a tournament team. So I hear you. I understand it, but keep going. They're, they're giving you reasons to go. Keep going. Did anyone hear the audio of Kiffin talking to someone about how he likes it at Ole Miss? I, I hate to tell you, Neil, that was uh, that was somebody doing a parody of uh, of Lane Kiffin. That was not that was not Lane Kiffin. 
State Hoops got a big win, then a heartbreaking loss. Now going to Kentucky, what do we think of them so far? Probably one and three after leaving Rupp. I think they are exactly what they were a year ago with a little bit more offensive firepower. Um, they are a team that's going to play good defense. They are lacking uh, consistent scoring. They really struggle um, in, in clutch time. They make too many mistakes. They're not good on the free throw line, and they are a tournament team. I, I think that's how this is going to shake out. Um, the, the schedule was tough early. Uh, they can overcome that. The metrics really like them. But, yeah, that's what they are. I mean, they play good defense. They, they really struggle in clutch, and, and Chris Chance has got to fix that because um, – they're they're in too many of these games and they lose them too often. I mean, that's two SEC losses this year where they had chances to win late and they blew them. And then, of course, the Tennessee game, they didn't. But it happens more often than not. But they are a tournament team, I think. So. You're 53 and used to seeing your Cowboys blow it this time of year. Well, maybe Bill Belichick will fix that. Harbaugh or Belichick to Dallas? Which one will Jerry go for? You know he wants to make a splash. You know he's not going to make a practical hire or anything like that. He's going to go get Bill Belichick is what he's going to do. Or he's going to go get Harbaugh, something like that. Ole Miss has a real opportunity to get two wins in conference play with LSU and Arkansas coming up and a free shot at Auburn. State in the pavilion after those should be a great and electric game. Ain't no doubt about that. What's up, Dak? Um, another early offseason. That's what's up. See, that, that's what I'm curious about. All, all these, these guys that were at Arizona, like you bring up, or, or Washington, the, the portal's there. They have 30 days to get into it. But... Like, a lot of people just assume they'll, they'll follow their new coach, right? Like, oh, who's, who's DeBoer going to bring to Alabama with him? Or, or who's Fish, which Washington made a really nice hire there, going to bring to Washington with him? But these guys are going to hit the portal, and then they're going to get contacted. And then they're going to realize, wait a, wait a minute, LSU wants me? Oh, hold on. Ole Miss wants me? You know? Missouri wants me? Wait, for how much? So... That I think that's going to be eye-opening to some of these guys that had no interest in hitting the portal. Even if they want to follow their coach, they're going to put their names in and get these calls and think, wait a minute, I need to explore my option. So we'll see. Enjoyed watching the State-Bama game, but those free throws were absolutely brutal. The clutch gene is not present in Starkville. Absolutely not. How many SEC games does Ole Miss win this season? Um, nine or ten? The audio is a confirmation of what Lane has said in public. That that audio, I, I hate to tell you, it's not real. That 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 is not real. So, ready to head to the blender Friday and Tuesday? Heck yeah, heck yeah! The race hell for me. Uh, they're playing so well right now. I mean, they had a schedule loss in, in Dallas, and they sat four guys, and still, I mean, and there's there's like this segment of Pelicans Twitter that is obsessed with trading Jonas, I will be furious if, if we trade him. He, br I mean, he brings it every single night. He places you-know-what off every single night. Trading that guy, getting him out of your locker room is so incredibly stupid. Well, be, But there's this stretch four that you can trade a pick for, and he has a three-point efficiency of this, and spare me. You need guys like Jonas on your team. Culture guy, that brand, I, I can't stand it, but yes, have a blast, man. Um, I, I'm going to go down to a, a midweek game at uh, some point next month. I just got to figure out when I can do that. I'm just going to take a day off and go down. So much less expensive than going on the weekend. So, yeah, I'm just going to find like a Tuesday game uh, sometime next month and go. Saw a little women's basketball about Coach Yo being upset after the loss to State today. I've noticed they're underachieving this season after so much momentum last year yeah she hasn't had a particularly good last couple of weeks um 
between the after the LSU game where Ole Miss fans packed the arena for the most, I mean, you know, it wasn't totally full, but the biggest crowd that they've had for women's basketball. And after the game, you make a comment that, you know, the players weren't prepared for that. And if the fans would do that more often, maybe they would have been better prepared for it. So instead of being thankful and glad that you, you had a massive crowd, you blame that crowd on losing because you haven't had anyway, it's just a kind of a, um, an unfortunate step there. And then today, you know, shook Parcell's hand. And here, I, I think I have the video. I didn't save it, actually. I thought I did. Um, but, you, you know, state fans are kind of mocking her for that. And, and I understand why. Um, you know, just really, you know, Everybody is upset when they're losing or, or, you know, we've all had moments like that. Everybody has them. So, so holding that against her for any length of time is probably not fair, but not a particularly good look. You, you, you shake his hand and tell him good game. And, and then you go to the locker room and, and be pissed off, but just to kind of just beeline right by uh, your opponent, you know, I know it's cheesy, but that is poor sportsmanship. You, you know, you, you got beat. Jake Sands a good game. And, and if there was something that he did that you didn't like, you got to be the bigger person and, and just to the victor go the spoils, you know? So not, not a particularly great couple of um, things there on top of the team underachieving, especially after there is uh, some kind of dispute over a raise and more money for a program that loses millions. It's – um you know that, that's blasphemy to say to some people, but um, I've talked to enough people today that are like, you know, really makes that, that, that those two things are, are not the end of the world. But those two things paired with team underachieving, and I know they had an injury, and the contract dispute that was taken public thanks to a friendly media member, just all around not currying any favor. Any word on the Michigan defense back that visited this weekend? You know, the cold weather probably didn't bother him. Yeah, it probably feels like home for him. No, I don't know uh, if if there's been any commitments there or how those have gone. I know that they got Banks, and I know they got the tight end from Virginia Tech, which is also a good pickup an experienced guy to, to be the number two to pre-score, and you can also do some two tight end sets, things like that. So so that, those were good pickups. But, no, I don't know if, um, if, if he's going to end up at Ole Miss or not. I, I truly don't know. So looking forward to watching the golf team this year. Both the men's and the women's golf teams, right, are, are like, really good, aren't they? I, I don't keep up with, with golf, to tell you the truth, but I, I think they're both supposed to be, like, legit, right? You love Jonas when he played for the Grizzlies, really solid culture player. No doubt, man. I mean, that's that's what frustrates me about the the people that are that are obsessed with the analytics. And I understand that it's a very important part of what teams need to do. But when you got guys like Jonas that or Jonas um, that just bust it every, I mean, I mean, look at the run of of points and rebounds and stuff that he's been on lately. He's been a good passer. His, his outside shots improved enough to where you have to respect it. I, I just, it blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind that there are people that just want to ship him off. And it's been like that for two years now. Just, oh, just trade Jonas, trade Jonas, trade him. He's the only guy on your team that stays healthy. What are you talking about? Anyway. The crowd must've not liked that comment because the pavilion was empty. Yeah, that Foot-in-mouth syndrome happens sometimes. I'll take your word for it. I have no idea if uh, he's going to visit the, the Michigan defensive back's going to visit LSU or not. I have no idea. Don't need any more tight ends. They need two to three more offensive linemen. Well, they did need another tight end, though. They, they certainly needed one. I mean, they've already got two offensive linemen, though. Um. So here's the thing about the offensive line, though. Pettis is returning, obviously, and he was really good by the end of last season. 
And then you have Pounds likely start at left tackle. Williams has yet to hit the portal. So if he's your swing guy, you're going to really have a hard time adding more tackles, right? Because you've got a starter returning at right tackle who was really good by the end of last year. You've got a transfer who is a plug-and-play starter on the other side. And unless Williams transfers, you've got a starter that will be your swing guy at tackle as well. I mean, how how many guys are, are you going to get to come in to where they do that? And they've already added a guard. I expect them to can. I mean, they're going to add more, but um, I, I, it's not as easy of a sell as some people might make it out to be because they don't rotate on the offensive line much. Like you can sell multiple guys on the defensive line in the portal because of how many they play. They don't really play that many up, up front on offense. And so when you have incumbents, an incumbent starter and then a surefire starter, who's signing up to be a backup? You might be able to get somebody, but it's harder, especially at that position. Um, I would be more surprised if they don't add on the interior. I certainly expect them to add on the interior. But them missing on a, on a tackle, for example, is not surprising to me because there's no guarantee they'll start or, or play much. If you find someone obsessed with analytics in any sport, they probably never played the game. And, and I don't like I don't like being that guy. It's like, oh, you never played, you don't know. But man, sometimes you just gotta abandon analytics and understand that you've got a guy that really works for you, that, that you can win games with. It's the same conversation like we were having during the football season. It's sort of the same apples to oranges, but they're both round things that you can eat. Like well, play Spencer Sanders. Darts hurt during the Egg Bowl. I saw that. Well, well, darts hurt. Why don't you take him out? Why don't you take him out? Because I don't care what his numbers are. That guy is why you're in the position that you're in, and the team plays for him, and they did that night. If Jackson Dart comes out of the game, maybe they still win, but sometimes you just have to ignore the numbers and understand that this team goes because of this guy. And yes, Jackson Dart was really, really hurt in the Egg Bowl. But that team goes because of him. And so taking him out, although might have improved the numbers, would not have improved the team, if that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. But anyway. Do I think in two years that Golding is the new head coach and Brown is the new defensive coordinator? Possibly. Possibly. But, I mean, at this rate, so, I mean, you're entering – you're entering year five of Lane Kiffin. So who's to say there won't be a year seven? I mean, think about all the jobs that for one reason or another you have survived, whether he turned them down like Auburn. And again, regardless of what Auburn people say, he turned Auburn down or like they were never offered to him like Alabama. But think about the jobs that have come open, Miami, LSU, Florida, Alabama, Texas A&M. He never would have gone there, but still, Texas A&M. Texas, all came open. And he's still at Ole Miss. Maybe that, maybe he's he's not going to go anywhere. You know, Oklahoma came open. Chris Beard has turned Morrell and Brakefield into stars with the play that they have. They do their part excellently, and you look and look night and day from last year. They play so much more confidently, right? They are so comfortable and confident. Why do I think Lane can't get another shot at an NFL gig? Uh, Because the first one didn't go well. And there, there is, whether or not you agree with this, th- this is the truth. There is a perception that he's not serious. The job he did this year tells you that he is, but th- there is a perception that, that he's not serious. And, and NFL owners won't like that. And also, just generally speaking, college to NFL hasn't gone very well lately. You know? Uh, it really hasn't. So. 
how many jobs out there are left that Kiffin would leave for. Not, not very many, you know, um, and you're right, he survived almost every single significant job in the country except for Ohio State. Michigan would never, Michigan's going to promote from within, so there's another one. And yeah, he was far too young to be an NFL head coach at the time. I, totally, but. So, anyway. Using analytics to coach is just a tool, not a fact. Remember, Eli running the timeout versus Arkansas, you're still mad at Cutcliffe for that. Uh, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you guys. Kind of uh, just an all over the place weekend. We'll be back uh, if we all survive snow apocalypse. We'll be back on uh, on Tuesday, uh, just talking more sports. Hope uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoy these. Um, please again like the video, subscribe if you haven't, leave a comment if you're watching this after the fact, and uh, and thank you guys as always. Be safe out there. Don't travel uh, unless you have to. And uh, I'll see you guys on uh, on Tuesday. See you then. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.